0: The following program is presented by the Far East Broadcasting Company, because stories of people living out the gospel with their lives inspire all of us. FEBC, taking Christ to the world through radio and new media. Learn more at febc.org.
1: Revival does not begin in the White House. It really doesn't even begin in the church house. It begins in your house, and it begins in your house, in your heart. And if nobody else is walking in revival, you can.
0: He's been a faithful pastor and leader for many years. Coming up now on First Person, you'll meet Pastor Michael Catt, who has just stepped down at Sherwood Baptist Church in Albany, Georgia. Learn why and what's next for Michael and his wife as you stay tuned. I'm Wayne Shepherd. Thanks for listening to First Person. Each week, we try to bring you people from all walks of life who have a unique spiritual calling. We place hundreds of these interviews online at our website, firstpersoninterview.com. There you can listen at your convenience or use our free smartphone app to download programs to listen to on the go. Look for the app in your app store. Our guest, Michael Catt, has now ended his tenure at Sherwood Baptist Church in Albany, Georgia. The church is perhaps best known around the country as the birthplace of Sherwood Pictures and movies like Facing the Giants, Fireproof, and Courageous. But in reality, there's a whole lot more than that to both the church and its longtime pastors, we'll learn. We'll also have more information in our program notes at firstpersoninterview.com. At the time of our interview, Pastor Cat had just made his announcement, and I asked him about it.
1: Well, 31, a little over 31 years at Sherwood uh, Baptist Church in Albany, Georgia, uh, announced that we were retiring and uh, moving to the mountains. Um, I've had my third cancer diagnosis. And so it was time for me to step aside. You know, uh, I'm, I'm not going to be the voice for 2030 hmm. uh, here. I, I would love to be, but uh, I'm 68 be 69 this year so i mean the lord just released us Mm -hmm. and said it's time to step aside
0: can we talk about that decision how did you know what 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 was the conversation like between you and the lord did you want to step down i know health has been a concern
1: well no (laughs) because i love this church and i love what god has done here uh but god gave me a release i think it's what paul said in philippians that uh you know, think on these things, and you'll have the peace of God and the God of peace. Mm-hmm. And I think God gave me both, uh, that there was a time to take my hands off the plow. Uh, I told the church back in November when we announced that there was going to be a transition, but, but I didn't set a retirement date. I said, every pastor is an interim pastor. And uh, one of my friends said— uh, nobody will hold the baton across the finish line except the last guy. And so my job is to pass the baton well and to do it while I'm at somewhat in my game uh, and and feel the strength to do it and not have somebody come to me and say, you know, you really need to step aside. Mm. So I just didn't want to stay one day too long, and I didn't want to leave one day too early. What kind of former pastor will you be of the church? How involved? Um, I will be as involved as the next guy wants me. But, you know, you've been to Albany, and it's a small town. uh, And it's, you know, 75,000 people, 125,000 in the area. Uh, my, My commitment to the new pastor is to love him, to be loyal to him, to pray for him, and to give him the benefit of the doubt. Um, I will be involved if he asks me to be involved, but but I've already said to our transition team, I'm not going to come back and do funerals. I'm not going to come back and do weddings with a pastor here unless he approves of it. And even then, I want him to be a part of it because he's your pastor. You know, I won't be your pastor anymore. I will love you. But I won't be your pastor. And he doesn't need to be looking over his shoulder going, wonder what Michael thinks. And he doesn't need to look around in the church when he makes some announcement and everybody's turned around and look and said, how are Michael and Terry responding to this? So um, I need to step aside and let him be God's man. For this church.
0: Well, thanks for letting me explore this with you, because I think there are some lessons here for all of us, regardless of what we do in life, uh, to be sensitive to the Lord's leading and timing of momentous decisions like this. I remember growing up in a church in Michigan when, when I was 15 years old, our pastor made the similar announcement that you've made to your church. And at 15, I thought that's not supposed to happen. He he's the only pastor I know uh, in this church, you know. I, but your thought about being everyone is an interim pastor is fascinating to me.
1: Well, I I mean, golly, 31 years has gone by quickly. I know it does. And there are some incredibly God-sized things that have happened in 31 years. And I don't want the church or me personally to worship our past. I want us to build on it. You know, and when I and part of what it was, Wayne, is I looked through the scriptures: Moses to to Joshua, Elijah to Elisha, Jesus telling the disciples, you know, Paul to Timothy. There's a way to do transitions that are healthy. Uh, it doesn't mean they're not painful for everybody. If there's any sense of love for one another, but they can be healthy. Uh, you know, I, I'm doing three messages on. Uh, at the at the last three messages I do on Sunday night are on transitions uh the prayer I owe this church the the support I owe the pastor and the way you need to walk in Christ uh, moving forward and then I'll step aside yeah well,
0: it's hard to know what to talk to you about Michael because there's so much here and we have so little time to do we could talk for hours, but You do uh, have a great regard for our uh, heroes of the faith of the past, people like Warren Wearsby and Vance Havner. You've gone to great lengths to honor these men and to learn from these men and treat them as your mentors. Talk about that for a moment.
1: Well, I think you have to remember those that have gone before you. I'm afraid, Wayne, that we have a sense in some generations that nothing significant happened before we were born. And we stand on the shoulders of giants. We know that. You know, Warren wrote a book, Listening to the Giants, Walking with the Giants. Uh, and I read those books in the 1980s, early in my ministry, and I thought, I want to be a person that knows who the Giants are, not who the flavor of the month is, but who are the Giants. Manly Beasley was in my library in Oklahoma in the 1980s. He said, Michael, read dead authors. because it means they finish their race. He said, the guy that has the bestseller may not finish his race, but read the guy who has finished his race. And Warren and I talked about a lot about bringing the new generation up to an awareness of the old and helping the older generation to appreciate and respect the younger. And I, I think we had as good of understanding of that as anybody I know, because we talked about it so much. Mm-hmm. Are we losing that, though?
0: My sense is we've lost uh, lost ground here.
1: We have, and I think social media has done that. You know, it's who's got the most followers, and uh, and so that's why in my messages through the years, I've quoted Havner, I've quoted Ron Dunn, I've quoted Warren Wiersbe, I've quoted Martin Lloyd Jones. I've quoted people that have gone before us. Some were still alive at the time to say you need to know who these people are. Uh, for instance, I'll just give you a quick story. Okay, I just had a, a hour and a half conversation with a pastor that God is really working in his church. I mean, people are being saved, and and I started telling him he's probably forty, and I started telling him about Ron and about Manly Beasley. And he said, how come I don't know who these people are? And I said, I'll be honest with you. Our seminaries tend to teach facts, but they don't breathe life into the bones. They can tell you here are the bones of doctrine, but they don't breathe life into the bones. And you have to find the people that the Holy Spirit worked through in a mighty way, and say here, read this book. Yeah, listen to this message. Do you think it's
0: even more difficult in the culture we're in, where there's been so many disappointments of men in ministry?
1: Oh, I think so. I, I think it's hard. I, I think every body blow bruises us, and every headshot—you know—the right hook that we weren't expecting, like some recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, that we weren't expecting. We just go, who can we trust? And um, what I've said to to the guys that I've tried to disciple and mentor is follow me as long as you see me following Jesus. And if you see me not following Jesus, get past me as soon as you can. Mm
0: -hmm. Excellent. Excellent advice. One thing you're doing to help keep attention on what we learn from these these men who can still mentor us, people like Hafner right. and, and Wearsby, is that you're making them available online.
1: Yes. Uh, we at Sherwood, we run the uh, Vance Havner podcast, the Warren Wearsby podcast, the Ron Dunn podcast, and a couple of others <laughs> 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 uh, of voices that need to be out there and be heard because their tapes will disappear, their CDs will disappear, but a podcast can stay up a long, long <laughs> yeah, time. right. Right. Tell me the
0: story of getting those boxes from Warren Wearsby.
1: Well, I kept asking Warren where his messages were. He said, Oh, man, I don't know. They're somewhere. (laughs) And I said, Warren, somebody's got to hear you. You know, they got to hear your voice because you're not traveling anymore. And he said, Oh, they're out in boxes in the garage or in the basement. I said, Somebody needs to put those out. You don't need to leave those in a garage. And so one day, about five or six huge boxes showed up, just tapes thrown in them everywhere, uh, showed up in my office. And so we began the process of remastering those tapes and putting them out there. They're the messages from Covington when he preached, when he was pastor in Covington, and from Moody. They were all his personal uh, copies of his messages, even reel-to-reels.
0: What a treasury! Uh,
1: Oh, golly, it is such a treasure, such a treasure.
0: And we'll continue our conversation with Michael Kat and what's ahead for this pastor coming up on First Person. Hi, I'm Ed Cannon, the president of the Far East Broadcasting Company, and I'd like to invite you to join us on our podcast, Until All Have Heard, where Wayne Shepherd and I will take you on a virtual tour around Christian ministry in the most unreached places in the world, to see what God is doing through the ministry of the Far East Broadcasting Company. So listen to the new weekly podcast until all have heard from FEBC. Listen at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and other podcast platforms, or go to febc.org. My guest is Michael Catt, who recently retired as senior pastor of Sherwood Baptist Church in Albany, Georgia, For those who are trying to make this connection, Sherwood Church became known because of its movie-making back in the day, and you were executive producer of some of those movies like Fireproof and Courageous and Facing the Giants, Michael. When you showed up to pastor this church, this little church in Albany, Georgia, did you ever think that you would become a movie executive producer?
1: Uh, No. (laughs) That's a quick answer to that. I had a guy call me one day, and uh, I think it was after we had done Fireproof. And he said, you know, Michael, you weren't God's first choice. And I said, "Oh, okay. He said, you know, God wanted to do this with somebody out in Hollywood, Mm. but they wouldn't do it. Mm. So he went to Dallas, and they wouldn't do it. He dropped down to New Orleans, and they wouldn't do it. And he made a stop in Albany, Georgia, and uh, you said, okay. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, I mean, God gets the glory for that. I mean, how in the world does that start in Albany, Georgia, of all places?
0: Well, it's a story that's been told well, and uh, I just applaud uh, what you've done and what others have done to follow God's leading there. And we don't need to talk more about that. It's well chronicled online. I do want to talk about the fact that, yes, I did visit your church one time back in its movie-making days. And the thing that impressed me most about Sherwood, although I was very impressed with what was going on with the films, I was most impressed with what was going on culturally in this deep southern town of Albany, Georgia, between you and other churches in town, including black churches.
1: Right. Uh, Daniel Simmons and I developed a relationship in 1995. He's the pastor of the largest African-American church uh, in Albany, probably in the region. And uh, it happened after the 500-year flood. And we began to build a relationship, and and through the years, we've won multiple racial reconciliation awards, Martin Luther King Racial Reconciliation Award. We were recognized by the Georgia Senate. We just learned how to talk to each other Mm. and how to build bridges. And I will tell you, Wayne, we never talk politics. We never talk politics because politics divides people. We talk the Lord. We talk our families. We talk ministry. He's preached for me. I've preached for him. Yeah, the churches times. have become
0: extensions of each other in a sense. Haven't yes,
1: they? they have. I mean, if I see his members out in the community, they go, well, "Hey, co-pastor, how you doing?" <laughs> I'm doing good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's a great relationship, and it is it is one that I will miss here. Mm. Uh, is my relationship with Daniel because I love him. He has helped me. Uh, to understand how to bridge cultures. And, uh, and the result of that is it has made me more passionate to have a church that, where there's neither slave nor free nor male nor female, male, nor Jew nor Gentile, but all are one in Christ. Yeah. And so we have diversity. 60% of our additions and our baptisms have been non-white over the last three years. I just wanted to pastor a church that looked like heaven.
0: (laughs) That was your simple desire, huh? (laughs) That
1: was my simple desire.
0: Well, what what effect did it have on the community at large?
1: It has given us great influence in the community. We have a Hope Center downtown. The Coca-Cola Company gave us a 60,000-square-foot facility, their former bottling company. And Ken Bevel, who's been in two of our Mm movies— Uh, Ken kind of runs that ministry as one of his uh, jobs here. And just in the past, I think, month, we've handed out over 50,000 pounds of food. Uh, We survey neighborhoods. We do an inner-city Bible study. My wife has done one of those. Uh, Most of the people that showed up for her first Bible study didn't even own a Bible, if you can imagine that, in the Bible Belt. Uh, We do car repair. We uh, have a partnership with Albany Tech to do GED so guys can actually, and gals can get a high school degree and get a better job. So it has helped us in the community. Uh, I'm on a prayer team with the president of Albany State University, which is a historic black university, and uh, have been on the platform for a couple of their events. I think it's built respect as much as anything, that we respect one another. We may not all agree on every dotting of the I and crossing of the T, but we respect one another and love one another.
0: What a great model for other churches around the country. At the same time, this community involvement wasn't your only focus. You have a deep heart to see revival happen Uh, In our country and elsewhere, you have uh, sponsored the Refresh Conferences, created the Refresh Conferences. Talk about that that revival fire that burns in you.
1: Well, Ron Dunn did a Bible conference for us for 13 consecutive years, and then he passed away, and I said, Lord, what's next? And the Lord said, you need to do a revival conference. So we started that in the early 2000s. We've done 35 of them uh we've gone from alaska to boston and uh our kind of our home base was here in albany but the the outreach portion of that was to encourage pastors most of the people who came were scholarshiped they didn't have the money they were bivocational pastors and so we found a way to get funding to help us go into a place and minister to pastors for a couple of days just speak into their lives with Two or three other pastors, Daniel Simmons, has done some of those with me. Uh, Some church planters have done that. Uh, Former president of the International Mission Board, Tom Eliff, has done some of those. And just to say, guys, the only hope for America is revival. Uh, And revival begins in us. Revival does not begin in the White House. It really doesn't even begin in the church house. It begins in your house. Mm -hmm. And it begins in your house, in your heart. And if nobody else is walking in revival, you can.
0: Well, God gives us a great privilege when he gives us long life and we're able to look back over the sweep. Not that it's over by any means. There's a lot to come yet. But to look back and to think about where you were and how God has used you and where you are today, talk about that in terms of your your life.
1: Well, I grew up on the coast in Mississippi. When I surrendered to ministry, my pastor told me he didn't think I would ever amount to much. Did he really? Uh, it's what uh, Tom Eliff calls the curse of words. You know, mm-hmm. somebody says, You're not as good a singer as you think you are. You're not. And somebody says something to you, and the devil brings it up over and over and over and over in your life. Until I began to understand what the Holy Spirit could do in my life, and that my identity and my sufficiency was in Christ. Uh, That kind of weighed me down. I mean, I was saved in the Jesus movement. I was a youth pastor for 15 years and uh, pastored one church in Oklahoma for three years and this one for 31. Uh, It has not been without its issues, but I would say there are bigger churches than the church I pastor, but none better. Uh, I've never pastored a people that have written so many prayer cards, prayed so many prayers, wept at the altar so much. Uh, loved us in the death of all four of our parents, Terry and I's parents, have volunteered to go on these refreshed trips, have served our community. I mean, I just have to stand back, Wayne, and just say, man, I, I have had a blessed life. I mean, if God didn't do another thing, I could praise him for eternity for what he's done.
0: I know you're stepping into a retirement sort of, you can't really call it retirement, can you?
1: No, I was actually going to see if you had a job that I could.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I wish I did.
1: (laughs) Uh, uh, We're going to move to the mountains of Tennessee, and uh, I've already had a couple of people ask me if I would be willing to do some short-term interims. I may do some more writing. I'm just going to kind of see how I feel. I know I'm rounding third base, or I'm in the fourth quarter, or I'm in the last act of the play, whichever (laughs) way you want to put it. Even if I lived another 20 years, you know, there's less in front of me than there is Mm -hmm. behind me. Mm -hmm. Hevner said it this way I don't want to be a worthless worker in a world of work. And so I don't want to just sit in a recliner and waste away. As long as God gives me strength, uh, I want to walk through whatever open door He has for me. I just am released from the daily grind. Of being the senior pastor of a church with pregnancy five pregnancy centers, a 115 acre sports park, a school, the Hope Center downtown. That's a lot to juggle, and it needs to be a guy who's healthy and well and could do it for the next 20 years.
0: And your health now is good.
1: I'm uh, still taking treatments. Uh, I'm still on that until these treatments don't work, and then they'll say, we'll see what happens. But we're praying that the treatments work. Uh, I feel good. You know, I know there's some cancer in my body, so I would just have to pray by faith to deal with that.
0: I really admire the faithful way that Pastor Michael Catt has finished this season of his life, stepping down as the pastor of Sherwood Baptist Church in Albany, Georgia. There are many more aspects to Michael's ministry of the gospel that we didn't have time to talk about in this interview, but you can read more by following the links in our program notes at firstpersoninterview.com. These conversations are made possible through the support of the Far East Broadcasting Company, who love for you to hear how God works in the lives of people for his glory. There's also much more to learn about FEBC's ministry, and a great place to start is at the website febc.org. Read and listen to the information or listen to our podcast until all have heard at febc.org. Now, with thanks to my friend and producer, Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepard. Join us next time for First Person.